0: Well, uh, I enjoyed the service already, and I was um, just about to come up here, and I decided to take the cap off my water bottle, and I did, and I didn't realize I had so much of a grip on that water bottle, and I've got spilled all over my pants, and I'm thinking, well, this is crazy, you know, and I'm wearing gray slacks this evening, so um, uh, I'm going to be very careful when I drink that water tonight, I can tell you that for sure. Um, I was just thinking of Joel Travis's missions letter. I'm just going back in my mind when Joel and Tahana were at Heartland, is, uh, as young as Seth is, and uh, just seeing them just kind of falling in love, and and then uh, getting trained there at Heartland, and now, honestly, the things that I've heard um, regarding Joel and Tahana's ministry, one day we may very well read books about what God did there in Nepal, and uh, then to see Frank and Amber. Corley to follow and now to be there to help them it's just it's just a wonderful story and so and then to see Daniel at the school and so you're a part of that because uh, you've been supporting the travises i know a good long time i'm confident of that and to see that and then to see their son training now for ministry along with your pastor's son that's pretty awesome and so your church has been involved in really seeing that type of thing for years and years so i'm so thankful i'm glad to be here tonight my wife and i and my daughter victoria um, we're kind of on a kind of a summer thing. We try to get around in the summertime around the churches in Oklahoma City because during the school year, we just are so busy. I just don't get a chance. But I want to say thanks for all that this group of people have done um, for Heartland Baptist Bible College for many, many years. So thank you so much for it. Now Today, I'm going to preach, and I'm going to ask you at the beginning to interact with me. So I'm going to want you to talk back to me. But when we get down to that section, I don't want you to talk back to me, okay? Just that first section, all right? But I want to give you an opportunity. We're going to interview some of you here this evening. And so just by kind of letting you speak up from where you're at, would you describe to me in a couple of words, maybe a sentence or two, what it's like to have a close relationship with your spouse, to have a good marriage? Now, Some of you I know, and I'll call on you, and you don't think I will call on you, but I'm looking at you right now, so I might call on you. So you better go ahead and volunteer, or I'll volunteer you. Give me, a, just someone raise your hand and tell me what it's like to have a close relationship with the with your spouse. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. That they will love you till the end. Good and bad. How long have y'all been married? About a month and a half. About a month and a half. About a couple months. We've been together for about five years. That's. This is, I've done this in other churches, but that's the first. I like that. Usually the description of a marriage for newlyweds like that is something like, oh, it's just a blast, you know. Okay, good. Good. Excellent. Someone else. Someone. Eric. Sweet. How long have you been married? 23 years. Men, prepare. I'm going to ask you that question. So prepare now. Start to figure it out. Now, wives, this would be a wonderful time for you to say nice things about your husband. Any, any ladies over here in this section of the church? No, she doesn't want to buy into that. Give me, yes, ma'am. Stability. How long have you all been married? Four years. Good, good, good. What's it like to have a good relationship with your spouse? No bad things, because I'm not going to do any marital counseling tonight. Only good things. Guys, this is an easy way to score major brownie points for free. Ben Zwanger. Having a great team, teammate. Good, good, good. Did you rehearse that? <laughs> Daniel, is that you back here? Yeah, I thought it was. You're too quiet. I'm not. I'm not going to let you away with it tonight. Give me. A, how long have you all been married now? Yeah, yeah. You're perfect. You know not what you talk about. No, please go ahead. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Give us. Give us a sentence. Describe the marriage. good communication. Good, good, good. Have you ever heard this said, and this is, see, many of you have been married a good long time, and you could be examples to all of us. But have you ever heard this said, you know, the longer you're with somebody, you kind of become like them. The longer you're with somebody, the the more you get to know them. The more time you spend with your spouse, the more you get to know them. The, The more that you get to know them, you might have even have had this said before. You two are starting to look like each other. Have you ever had that said before? It's, it's sad for some of us, isn't it? It is true. The longer you spend time with your spouse, the more you're going to get to know what they like and what they dislike, what upsets them, what makes them happy. The more time you spend with somebody, the more you're going to be just like them that time is gonna influence each other and you're you're gonna learn what they prefer. Wouldn't that be true in marriage across the board? I'm sure that if we took time, we could start to really dig deep right there. But instead of interviewing you all, I'd like to interview someone else, but not on that question about a relationship, but about a question that's much more important than our relationship with our spouse. It's our relationship with the Lord, which by the way, does affect our relationship with our spouse. But I don't want to interview one of you all because I don't know whether you're on a good day or a bad day regarding your relationship with God. Because aren't you just like me? One day we're on and one day we're not. One day we're synchronized with the Lord, with His Word, and then some days we're not. So, I don't know who to interview here because I don't know what day you're on. And I don't want to be interviewed on this. This question what's it like to have a really close relationship, not with your spouse, but with God? But do you know who I think of? David, the psalmist. So, in a few moments, we're going to read what I'm going to just kind of for a moment, a little bit of liberty here. I'm going to read in Psalms a script as if we are interviewing David. And asking him just this core question, David, what's it like to have a close walk with God? And we'll see what he's going to say to us because David was a man after God's own what? Now, that's recorded in Scripture. So we have to have, just based upon that, the safe assumption to say he knew something, what it's like to have a close walk with God. As a matter of fact, David had his own days he was off, And days he was on. Just like who? You and me. But let's look at Psalms 116. And with a little bit of liberty, I'm just going to ask you to give me that liberty as I just kind of walk us through and I carefully take a drink of water. Psalms 116. We're just going to pray right now and then I'll just write into this this passage. We're going to work our way through this passage and the whole lesson. Lord, just Take this time and, and use it as you will. It's not by accident that all this has taken place already this, this evening. And even what's taken place this week in our lives, it's not by accident. And then to turn to this passage, we are confident that it's all choreographed by you. Thank you for being that Lord to us. Help us all tonight to understand what it's like to have a real close relationship with you. We ask in that wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So just pretend for a moment like I'm the interviewer and David's right here and I ask David this question. David, tell us what it's like to have a close relationship with the Lord. And this is what he says, I love the Lord, right there in verse 1. So again, repetition's a great teacher. So I asked David, David, what's it like to have a close relationship with the Lord? David says, I love the Lord. I love the Lord. Notice he didn't say, I love the Lord because he's given me all these treasures, all this great wealth. But then he does describe to us, because I would say after I would ask him, David, tell us about your relationship with the Lord. He says, I love the Lord. Then I'm going to ask him why. So I'm going to insert the word why, David. Why do you love the Lord? He gives us three reasons. He says, because he's heard my voice, my supplications, and because he hath inclined his ear unto me. So, repetition is a great teacher. So, I say to David, David, tell us about your relationship with the Lord. David says, I love the Lord. And then I would say, why? And David says, because he's heard my voice, and because he's heard my supplications, and because he hath inclined his ear unto me. Three different things he gives us, reasons why he loves the Lord. And so, David says, I love the Lord because he's heard my voice, He's heard my supplications. And so just a brief explanation of just these two points, when you think of David saying when he's heard my voice versus when he's heard my words versus when he's heard my supplications, David is saying just a little bit of study of this passage means simply this. David says that God even heard David when he couldn't put together words to speak of. When things in his life were so hard that he could just kind of do this, oh, David, if you are a student of the Bible for any amount of time, you know that David, in various times of his life, he got a punch in the what? Gut. Oh! And it hurt. Sometimes he was the one inflicting pain on himself because of his decisions. Other times it was him just having this spiritual punch in the gut where he couldn't even put together words. He just groaned. That's David, a man after God's own heart. If you're here this evening and you're a child of God... Based upon what we just learned learned already, if you're a child of God and there's been times that you just got the oh, punch in your gut, and when it comes to prayer time, you can't even speak it. You raise your hand, and this is what we say: Unspoken request. You can't even speak it. It it's that gut-wrenching. David says. I love the Lord because he's heard my what? My voice. David also says, I love the Lord because he's, he's heard my supplications. When he would take words and he would put together sentences and he would give detailed prayer requests. David says, I love the Lord because he's heard even my detailed prayer requests. And then he says, thirdly, I love the Lord, but not only because he's heard my voice and my supplications, but because he hath inclined his ear unto me. A little bit of an illustration for that. When Victoria, our daughter, was... I don't know, three years old, just a little bitty gal. And I was preaching somewhere on a weekend, and, and, and I don't even know where it was in the country, but I was preaching. The normal protocol habit would be to go to the foyer after the church service would be over with, and I'd, we'd be standing there with the preacher and his family and shaking hands with people. That's what I was doing one Sunday morning, and I was talking to this gentleman, and uh, Victoria came up and, and uh, just, you know, just bumped into me and started asking me questions. And I said, Victoria, just, just hush up. And stand there and be quiet until I'm done talking to this gentleman. And when we get back to the hotel this afternoon, i got some things to explain to you. So she did that. She stood there and followed my instructions when we got back to the hotel. I gave her more detailed instructions. And they're basically this. Victoria, next time you, you need me when I'm talking to someone, you come up and you just tug on my coat. And you let me know that you're there. And then you just stand there. And you be quiet and you don't interrupt me while I'm giving this man my attention. And when I'm done giving him my attention, then I may give you my attention. Just stand there and wait until I'm done with this guy. So that night what she did. She came up and tugged on my jacket and she just stood there. And when I was done talking to that individual, Victoria was a little gal back then, and she's a little gal now, and she was quiet back then, and she's quiet now. And so back then, I had to incline my ear under her. That means in this foyer, I had to lean over. I had to lean over like this. And because it was a large foyer with a lot of people, I had to cup my ear to hear my daughter. Her father had to lean over, incline to hear her. And she had to wait behind somebody to do that. And she had to come and let me know that she's there. But if you're a child of God tonight, you don't have to come into his presence and let him know you're there. He knows when you're there. He knows when you come into his presence. He knows when you need him. And you don't have to wait in line behind someone else. Aren't you glad if you're a Christian this evening that you don't have to wait in line to talk to God behind anybody else? That's an incredible thought. That's an encouraging thought. You don't have to come and and let him know you're there, And, and you don't have to wait until he gets done doing this task or talking to this person. He just inclines his ear. Oh, and by the way, he doesn't come down from where he is. He can do all of that at the same time, but yet he inclines his ear unto you. And if you are like David, a child of God, and you want to have a close walk with God, or if you want to know what it's like to have a close relationship with the Lord, we must have the realization that we have a God who will incline his ear unto us. What an incredible thought. Another picture about inclining one's ear. I can remember when I was pastoring outside of Springfield, Missouri, I had a wonderful privilege of pastoring a couple named Bonnie and Jesse. Bonnie and Jesse masked. Jesse was injured from the, the mid-chest down as a young adult, as a young married man, maybe in his mid 20s, in a construction accident, completely paralyzed from him here down. And Bonnie took care of him faithfully all of his years. And when Jesse was, was near death, Bonnie called me and she says, Preacher, he's in the hospital. They're telling me it's going to happen this afternoon. Can you, can you come? And I said, Yeah, absolutely. So I went down there and, and you know, went in there, and, and Jesse had the oxygen mask on. Some of you know exactly the scene I'm talking about. When Jesse had the oxygen mask on, every time he would say something, it, 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 it just sounded like that. That's how it sounded. And Bonnie would go over there. If she was over here talking to me on the, on the other end of the bedroom, she, or the, the hospital room, she'd run over there and she'd say, what'd you say, Jess? What'd you say, Jess? She wanted to hear everything he had to say. As time went on throughout the afternoon, his breath was, was less. His life was just ebbing away before us. You could barely hear what he had to say. Before the afternoon was over with, it got down to just And Bonnie just went over there and took the oxygen mask right off and hiked up her skirt and got into the hospital bed with him and leaned over and took her earlobe and put it right on his lips so she could hear the last words he would say to her. That's a sweet picture of inclining. That's also a great picture of our Lord who will get up in wherever you are, in whatever your situation is, and he wants to hear every word you want to say to him. He's your Heavenly Father, and He's God Almighty. You want to know what it's like to have a close relationship with God? We need to have the realization that our Heavenly Father wants to hear everything we want to say to Him. Now, I don't know of any situations, none. And if a pastor was to ever give me a clue of what's happening in a church, I would say, don't tell me, don't tell me. I want to be free by the Spirit of God. But if you're here this evening and figuratively, you're just wondering, is God really hearing me? I can tell you based upon scripture, not only is he hearing you, he's inclining and leaning over. We see later in the scripture, we would say to David as we go through this interview process, well then tell me more David. And David says right there in that next verse, then I will call upon him as long as I live. The end of verse two, wow. David, then what? Then when you've had that happen to you, when you come to the realization that God's heard your voice and your supplications and inclines his ear into you, tell us more, David. Explain to us about some times that you've had some valleys because we know that David has had some valley struggles and some mountain ex- uh, victories as well. Well, David says in verse 3, well, let me tell you about this time where the sorrows, verse 3, of death compassed me. That means that he had death over here, 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 all around him. And there was the sorrows of death all around him. But not only that, he says, and the pains of hell got hold upon. Meaning he just felt like he was going to just be sucked right into hell while he had death over here and death over here. And he says, I found trouble. But it wasn't just trouble. He says, I found great sorrow as well. David had experienced Death after death. Trouble and sorrow, pains of hell. I can go back in my own family's life, the family that I grew up in. And there was times when we would have a, a tower of trouble within our family. I mean a, a skyscraper tower of trouble with a family member. And we knew. As believers, if that isn't fixed, that tower of trouble is going to develop into a great tower of sorrow. And I too know what it's like to have some death around us. Maybe you do too. Maybe you've been to the doctors way too much lately. Maybe even a graveside way too much lately. Maybe when you examine even your own family, You see this twin tower of trouble and the twin tower of sorrow. If that trouble isn't fixed, if somebody doesn't try to take care of that, there's gonna be a tower of sorrow for a long time. David had that type of season. David, when you had death all around you, David, when you had trouble and sorrow, what'd you do then? What what did you do then? David, tell us what to do. David says, then I called upon the name of the Lord. Now, some of you are taking notes, so David's fixing to tell us about his very theological prayer. So go ahead and write this down. This is really deep. I mean, you can see the Bible degree just coming right out of David here. He must have been a Heartland Baptist Bible College graduate student. This is what he says, oh Lord, I beseech thee. Deliver my soul. That's it. That's simple. Sarcastic, can I say this? You don't need a Bible college degree to, to do that. He just said, Oh Lord, he said it this way. Oh Lord, I'm I'm begging you. Deliver me from this. It might have even been this way. Oh Lord, deliver me. Because I've tried to fix this tower of problem in my family. And David probably would say this. I know Jeff Copes would. And I've nearly messed it up. Lord, I need you to deliver from the things that have I've been contributing to making this a towering time of trouble. Which could ultimately result if God doesn't deliver to be a tower of sorrow. David gives us a real clear example. You don't need to have a fancy vocabulary. You don't need to be good in speech. You don't need to be a public person to call upon the name of God. Oh, Lord, I beseech thee. I'm begging you. Deliver my soul. You want to know what it's like to have a close, what it's like to have a close relationship with God? We go to him and we just simply beg him. And it's the type of relationship that God wants with us that he wants us to keep on coming back and begging him because he's the only one that has what we need. He's the only one that can do what we need done and we can go back to him. David, after you called upon the Lord, verse 5, what did you find then? Well, he says, this gracious is the Lord, verse 5, yea, righteous, our God is merciful and then he says this in verse 6, The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low. He now makes it very personal. I was brought low and he helped me. You know, in, in, in this day and age that we live, if someone was to call you simple, that's not a compliment. <laughs> uh, if someone said, you're a simpleton, they didn't just compliment, compliment you. But the way this word is used in the Bible right now that the Lord preserveth the simple in verse 6, that's actually a huge compliment. It says the Lord preserveth the simple. It didn't say the Lord preserveth those with great ability. It didn't say the Lord preserveth those with great months of money or education. It says the Lord preserveth the what? Simple. Now watch this now. The Lord preserveth the simple, and then he says, I was brought low, and he helped me. Wherever you're at this evening or where you're going to be at next Wednesday night, whether it's low or high, whether it's in a valley or a mountaintop, you can count on this. The Lord will help you. And then David, and this is pretty, pretty much of a wrap-up here, in verse 7, he actually starts to talk to himself. Now, I don't recommend that. That's not a good thing, all right? Many times you go down the road now and you see people, you hope they're talking on the cell phone. If not, they're talking to themselves. And in this day and age, it's kind of weird to talk to yourself. Now, I talk to myself when I'm out in the woods all by myself, but I don't talk to myself other than that. It can be very dangerous. But David is talking to himself, and look at what he tells himself. He says, return, verse 7, unto thy rest, personal rest, so that must mean that David's been in times where he wasn't at rest or when he was at unrest. David says, Return unto thy rest. And then he says, Oh, my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. So again, verse six, the Lord preserveth the simple. Verse seven, Turn unto thy rest. David is referring to, in these two pockets of these two verses, he's saying that those that simply, simple, rely upon God are going to be preserved by God. We are not to rely upon the government. Can I get an amen on that? They will fail us, that's for sure. We shouldn't rely upon corporations that we work for. Can I get an amen on that? And and just remind you of Enron, if if you remember that in the news. We aren't to rely upon even our own hands. We're to rely upon God. We're to be simply relying upon God. Scripture tells us if you want to know what it's like to have a close relationship with God, you have to have the realization all that you have to do is simply rely upon God. And he will what? Preserve you. And David says, return unto thy rest. So that means that there has been times in David's life when he didn't have rest. We'll put this in there like peace. Obviously, when David was a young, simple shepherd boy, he was at rest with his walk with God. Because that's what we're talking about here. We're not talking about physical rest. We're talking about the rest of his relationship, his restful spirit with his relationship with the Lord. When David was a young boy, a young lad, he was at rest. He was at peace. There wasn't a lot of life's baggage A lot of the sorrow wasn't there. A lot of the trouble wasn't there. It was just David out there taking care of the flock, looking at the stars, writing some songs, and learning from God. David says to himself in this passage, return, meaning go back. And this is talking about a relationship. Go back to the place in your relationship with God when you had Simple, simple rest when it was just you, David, and God. David is telling us, I'm being repetitive on purpose, David is telling us that when he had times in his life when he was un, at unrest with God, he told himself, go back in your own mind to the place when it was more simple in life, when it was just you and God. You remember that time? Now that's David. Now here's you and I. Do you remember that time when... Come on, go back in your own mind. Remember when life was just so simple? When you got saved? And when you woke up, you wanted to tell people about the Lord. And you wanted to pray. And you wanted to read your Bible. You wanted to spend time with the Lord. And now... We get so busy that we have to find time in a busy schedule just to spend moments with God, the Almighty, our Heavenly Father, the one who hears our voice, our supplications, who inclines His ear unto us, the one who can comfort us when we have sorrow all around us. Come on, let's do it again. Think of a time when you were just simply relying upon God. Maybe you didn't even have a lot of money back then. Maybe it was just a simple way of life, but your relationship with God was at rest. I remember it. I remember just getting saved at the age of 20. I was was a drug baby. My, my mother drugged me to church from the day I was born. <laughs> I was saved at the age of 20. That means I went to church for 20 years lost. I went to church every Sunday lost. You know what I learned for 20 years? I learned how to do what? Church. I wasn't at rest. I was at unrest. Every moment the Bible was open, I felt like the preacher was coming down and yelling at me. I was at unrest. I was trying, my, trying to get all my problems fixed myself. I was at unrest. It was, it was a life of turmoil. But then I got saved on the third Sunday of February, 1983, at 1809 Queen Street at 1132 at night, all by myself, other than God. And I got up off of my knees of my parents' couch that night, and I finally experienced perfect rest. God. The battle was over. He won. I gave up to Him. And there was sweet fellowship for many years after that. But then life started. It got complicated. And it wasn't when I got married <laughs> or when I had a kid. It's when life just started to roll along. And some punches in the gut came, some trouble within the family came, and and it honestly ended up being some sorrowful times. There's times that I couldn't even voice a prayer request to my closest friend who wouldn't even want to speak of it. I was at unrest. Maybe you're here this evening. I'm not here by accident. I am so confident of that. And this is not a passage, it's just... One, how to be just pulled out of a briefcase. This is what God has orchestrated. If you want to know what it's like to have a close walk with God, here's what it takes. you got to spend time with him. It's just like spending time with your spouse. The more time you spend with your spouse, the more that you'll what? You'll get to know them. The more time you spend with your spouse, the more you'll start to understand what they like and what they dislike. The more time you spend with your spouse, the more you'll become what? Just like them. You'll become what? One. How do we spend time with God? It's real simple. You got to get in his word daily. And then you have to pray with him. This is him speaking to us. And praying to him is us speaking to him. That's a relationship. Just like with your spouse. If you want to have a close relationship with God, you got to spend time with Him. So it's really simple. It really, really is simple. The ultimate question is this. How are you doing on your Bible reading right now? Did you read this morning? Will you read tonight? That's not a slap. That's just a simple question that's connected to this. Do you want to have a close walk with God? It's going to take some investment of time. And Bible reading, and so this evening, I'm challenging you to do something that I'm challenged with, and it's work. It is really work because there's a lot of things that are in line to get my attention. A lot of things. It's like your life, but if I don't give God my attention, I will end up having a life of restfulness, rest, not being able to rest at all, restless life. I'd rather be at peace. And the only way that I know to do it at the age of 60, that's not old. Can I get an amen? Thank you. The only way that I know to do it, it's not through an alcohol bottle. It's not through a joint. It's not through drugs. It's not through a pill. It's through the Word of God. So this evening, I'm just going to turn over to you, Pastor, and I'm just going to ask you this one question Do you want to have a close walk with God, closer than you do now? And if you say, and I hope you all would say yes, then I would say this, that it depends upon how much time you spend with him. And why don't you tonight, during this time of invitation, draw a little circle, maybe here at the front, maybe there in your your chair and say, God, right here, I'm making a decision right here tonight that I'm gonna work harder at spending more time with you. Why? Because you want to have a closer walk with him. Why? Because there's some valleys coming up. There's some mountain peaks too. Life is coming, and we need God to preserve us. He's ready. He's willing. He has a capability. We just need to remind it every once in a while.